everyone, welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, Year 2, where this year we're reading through and studying the entire New Testament, one chapter at a time. Thanks again for joining us in discovering God's plan and your part in it. If you are someone who believes that Jesus is always kind and always nice and always loving and is kind of like weird boyfriend Jesus that just is always thrilled with you, uh, you might have a problem with the text today, and maybe that's a reason you should read the text today. Uh, Today we are looking at Mark chapter 11, and this seems very far from praise song boyfriend Jesus. This seems like a very different person entirely. And I think you might be a little deceived by how the chapter opens because Jesus is making his entry into Jerusalem. Everybody's excited. Everybody's screaming. Like, I mean, quite honestly, some churches you walk into on Sunday morning, this might be what it sounded like. Jesus, yes, Jesus. Okay. So we quickly segue from that after Jesus has essentially fulfilled several prophecies at this point of what was going to happen on this day when he entered Jerusalem. He enters into, well, he enters into the temple, but even before that, he kind of like arrives at this place where he just starts throwing around like serious criticisms to not only Jerusalem itself, but the leaders of the temple. So he is like pulling out all the stops. He's calling out what seems to be like this correlation between a tree that bears no fruit. It looks healthy, but it absolutely is doing nothing. He's like, listen, like Jerusalem, you need to pull it together. You're this tree that's not bearing fruit and you're worthless. Um, Then he goes into the temple and he's just disgusted with what the leaders of the temple are doing, essentially causing people to have to like jump through hoops and jump over all kinds of hurdles in order to come and worship and pray to God. And Jesus is just not having any of it. So we go from this super awesome, yay, everybody's so excited, so happy Jesus is coming to, yes, I am the king. And also, all these things you're doing are incredibly wrong. (laughs) Like, how do we even get there? So in uh, typical excited Jenny fashion, you have summarized half the chapter now. (laughs) No, it's not half. Okay, it is half, but this is a short chapter. But I just think it's interesting how we go from point A to point B so quickly. It happens quickly. Mark is is pretty quick. Remember, he likes to say immediately, immediately, immediately. Um, So we open up the chapter in verse one with the triumphal entry. This is Palm Sunday. This is why today, if we celebrate Palm Sunday, you wave the palms around in church and little kids Mm -hmm. eat each other with leaves. Um, What's interesting is Jesus here is pretty openly declaring that he is the coming Messiah. Mm -hmm. It's not with words, it's with actions, which is actually less subtle. Uh, Because (laughs) what he's doing is he's like, hey, there's a cult that's ready for me in town. Go get the cult. I'm going to sit on the cult. I'm going to ride into town. I'm going to receive and accept a king's welcome. And what he's doing is intentionally fulfilling Zechariah 9.9. So Zechariah 9.9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So this is not subtle. This is very intentional. And people Um, would have known this, this specific detail very well. Yeah. Keep in mind that the cult is kind of like miraculously just available. Mm -hmm. I I don't know, like maybe it was very common for donkey cults to be around. Like it doesn't seem like that would be totally far fetched, Mm -hmm. but it is there. The red car around the corner. Yeah. 
It is there. It's ready for him. He rides it in. They give him a king's welcome. This is a king's welcome. Mm -hmm. So if you were a conquering king coming back into town, this is what would happen for you. People do know who Jesus is. Remember, they were the, the disciples were a little bit nervous about going into Jerusalem because he is fairly well known at this point. And what's interesting is we're about a week, give or take, uh, away from Jesus being crucified. And here we have people exuberantly welcoming him. But like you alluded to just a little bit ago, the whole tone of this whole chapter is going to flip very fast. But it flips in like more than just that way, too, because I always envision this crowd like this, this donkey coming down this great big hill, tons of people all around. I mean, am I so far? Am I pretty spot on? Yeah. Like just tons of people. How can these same people so flippantly like they're in love with Jesus? They're so excited about him. He's like this celebrity in a way. And then not too long after, nobody cares. Or at least well, it seems like nobody's willing to stand up for that person that they were so incredibly excited about a couple days earlier. I was just going to say, I think it goes past nobody cares. I think they actually become antagonistic toward mm-hmm. him, a lot of them. But isn't that interesting that the switch is so it's quick. quick and people are just so fickle? Because they have an image in mind. Mm-hmm. And when he comes into town, they are like, oh my word, now is the time. And the image they have in their minds is not correct. Yeah. So let's talk... Just a little bit quickly here about this fig tree situation. You alluded to a little bit, and you actually had some good thoughts on it before we turned on the recording. So tell us about this fig tree. Well, basically, Jesus is referring to Jerusalem. Like, there's a common uh, pictorial image of Jerusalem represented by the fig tree. So oftentimes in the Old Testament, whenever you hear fig tree, you know that it they're alluding to Jerusalem, or excuse me, the people of Israel. Israel. Yeah. Yes. Um, so the people of Israel are being extremely called out here because they are living this life where, yes, the tree is alive, the tree has branches, the tree has leaves. However, it is not producing fruit. And Jesus is just like, you know, this is like no one's going to eat from this tree again. This tree's not producing. I think what stuck out to me, not only this part of the fig tree, but also when he goes into the temple then, because it feels like the temple is just one step further of him essentially just passing judgment, is that um, this is really showing how Jesus is very, um, I guess, what's the word? He's like very serious about worshiping God and being essentially representatives of who he is. And bearing fruit. The, the weird thing about the, the fig tree, I think, I think you're totally on track with all this symbolism. There's still part of me that's like, yeah, but it wasn't even like in season. Like it wasn't even time for figs to be growing. Like it just seems so odd. And it actually says explicitly in verse uh, 13, it was not the season for figs. So he said, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard. And later on in verse 20, you'll see that they find the tree completely dead, like withered to the roots. Like it's Mm -hmm, gone. It's over. mm -hmm. But what's interesting about then, too, is like because it's compared to it, it is interesting that he says, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. So like, you know what? This is done. Like this isn't going to happen ever again. So I don't know that maybe necessarily the fruit part is worth getting excited about. Maybe it's just the fact that Jesus like curse you tree. Like it's never going to happen again. So one interesting thing about chapter 11, I I think I've been seeing Mark do this a couple times where there's like similar themes grouped together within chapters. He didn't come up with the chapters, but in, in chapter 11, um, you see this fig tree situation where the, the 
regardless of all the symbolism, the idea is it's not bearing fruit, it's going to be cursed. And that is in line with what Jesus has been teaching. Like when he gives us gifts, we should multiply those gifts. Mm -hmm. We should bear fruit and, and like... Uh, build God's kingdom with what Jesus has given to us, what God has given us. Don't keep it to yourself. Yes, Don't hide it from exactly. Others. So the theme of this chapter seems to be we need to authentically worship God and not just with what appears to be worship of God, but actual worship of God. There's this thing that is like we do the things we're called to do. We appear to be following God, but within our hearts, within our motivations, uh, we should be worshiping God with our whole person. It's very easy to pretend to be obedient. It's a whole other thing to actually be obedient. And I think that sets up what's going to happen next because Jesus is going to go into the temple. Uh, The temple is not like a quiet place. It's a very busy place. There's a lot happening inside the temple. Jesus is going to go in there and disrupt everything. Like I I know that we um, represent this story as like a pretty famous Jesus story, but sometimes just reading over it today, honestly, like sometimes I feel like I don't capture how crazy this is. Like imagine walking into the middle of a large church and just flinging things everywhere in the middle of a service. Like that's not subtle. Or imagine walking into the local bank and flinging tables everywhere. That's not subtle. This is very direct. Um, It's actually amazing that he didn't get arrested Mm -hmm. at that time. Well, and it says that the Pharisees, like, well, was it Pharisees and teachers? Either way, chief priests, they were fearful of him like they actually were scared yeah because so, it's crazy yeah so it is interesting i don't know maybe they got mad about it later but it's interesting that they didn't like you said but press i think anything against him this huge event like this would have been something that people noticed and talked about i think this is part of the reason people quickly turn from like oh I don't know that that's our guy. Like, it seems like what he's doing is mm-hmm. not very popular and pretty threatening to the status quo. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I'm into this. Yeah. So just to give a little bit of um, context here, the temple would have been kind of the center of life. And it also would have been kind of the center of financial life. And Jesus here is making a statement that what is happening within that temple complex is not the worship of God that was intended. There are several people who are basically like trying to leverage worship to enrich themselves. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is making a very loud statement against these false worshipers. Again, they appear to be worshiping, but they're not really. So on the surface, they look like this fig tree, like, okay, there's, there's a trunk, there's some branches, there's some leaves, but the fruit that it's producing is wicked because this isn't about honoring God. It's about enriching yourself. And so Jesus disrupts this. And this is a threatening thing. Like if you read in the newspaper, nobody reads newspapers. If you heard on the radio, I guess, or if you read online, if you saw a post on Twitter um, that somebody walked into your local church or local bank and destroyed most of what was there, most likely you would not think I should worship that person. Mm-hmm. You would think, um, I, I just don't know. And so this is why like the the triumphal entry kind of sets off this week, but Jesus tossing the temple tables also sets up this week, and it's a pretty contentious week. Well, it's even more interesting, though, is that this is happening, and not too long after, the curtain is going to be torn, and so like all these things are happening, and then years to come, the entire thing will be overrun and taken. So it is just like, I don't know, the test of time obviously proves too that Jesus was more powerful than all of it. 
Anyway. So to round out the chapter, um, Jesus has gotten everybody's attention. And the the rulers and chief priests and scribes and elders, they come to Jesus and they're like, okay, we have a question. How are you able to do these things? Which is the question they've been asking over and over. Mark might be highlighting this so that people in the Gentile audience understand that Jesus has real authority that comes from God. Maybe that's possible. But Jesus kind of gives them like a, a non-winnable situation. So he's like, okay, so with which authority uh, was the baptism of John? Did it come from heaven or did it come from man? Tell me that and I'll answer your question. And he kind of like wisely puts these uh, leaders and teachers in a position where they can't win. If they say that it was just because of man, like the people think that John the Baptist is a, is a prophet. They're going to they're gonna be very upset that these religious leaders are saying he's just has man's authority. And if they say it comes from God, then they're going to be recognizing to some degree that Jesus is actually worth listening to. Mm-hmm. And so they're in a non-winnable scenario. So they're just like, uh, we don't uh, feel like answering that question. <laughs> they, they plead the fifth. Oh. And Jesus is just like, well, then I'm not going to tell you the answer either. And so this is this is where like there's there's so much happening in this chapter 11 that is setting up the conflict that is coming. Mm-hmm. And you have the religious leaders and even the the crowds like really starting to realize I don't think this is the Jesus that really I want to serve. This is not the Messiah that I like. Um and at the same time Jesus is doubling down on mm-hmm. I'm not the Messiah you thought I was going to be. And so I I opened up the episode talking about, like, this is not boyfriend Jesus. This is confrontational Jesus. And we really, really do need to recognize that Jesus was not always kind. Jesus was not always peaceful. Jesus did not always do what would make people like him more. Sometimes he actually did the opposite of what people assumed he should do. I think this is crazy relevant today. And it's interesting, too, how much that accountability piece falls into play then, too, because I've heard so many times, and even for myself, I want people in my life that are going to tell me when I'm doing something wrong. Although I really enjoy when I just hear like fluffy, oh, everything's great. I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy with you. But in reality, I'm human. I'm sinful. There's things that I'm going to do that are wrong that need correction. And I think Jesus coming in and showing this side of him that's like, no, I'm serious and I'm here to show you or at least tell you what you need to be doing in order to honor God with true worship instead of just looking the part. I think that's really helpful for us because a lot of times we put Jesus, we put God, we put the Holy Spirit, all of them together in this strange box of just like acceptance, love, fluffy, wonderful. But at the same time, there's also a piece too of like true judgment and true accountability for what he requires of us. This religious system was broken. So, like, people were using faith to get rich. That didn't stop. (laughs) I was going to say. Right? Like, that continues to happen. People were openly sinning, and it was being supported and encouraged. Mm -hmm. When Jesus walks into the temple and destroys what's happening in the temple, it's not subtle. It's very confrontational. And it is saying, what you have been doing is wicked, Mm -hmm. and it must stop. And the people did not respond with, like, what a great Thanks. point. So and the and the same thing is present with this fig tree situation. Like he's saying, you look like a tree that should have fruit. You have no fruit. Your time is done. Mm-hmm. So this idea of this kind of like judgmental Jesus is pretty present in this chapter, but always for our good. 
He's always um, drawing our attention to who God is and how we actually honor God with our lives. So this is what I want you to hear from me today, the your part. Make sure that your worship of Jesus exists. You need to worship God with your whole life. Paul says we should be a living sacrifice unto the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, Make sure that that's happening and make sure you are aligned truly with the real Jesus because our faith walk is not smiles and lollipops and rainbows. And if you have people doing life with you that are just always telling you how amazing you are, particularly if you're sinning. Or how everybody else is messed up. (laughs) That's not a good place to be. Mm -hmm. We want to become more and more and more like Jesus, and we are not going to become more and more like Jesus if we're not willing to listen to criticisms. Mm -hmm. That starts with ourselves Mm -hmm. and extends to our faith communities. So in our churches, we want to make sure that what we are doing is truly honoring God and bringing him glory. And if it's not, we need to change it and we need to stop what we're doing and like start bearing fruit in a biblical sense. Mm -hmm. So that's the your part for today. We'll be back again tomorrow with Mark chapter 12. We'll see you then. Thanks for joining today's episode of God's Plan, Your Part. As always, please consider partnering with us as we are a listener-supported podcast that we hope to continue to grow with support from listeners just like you. We've made it super easy to partner with us, and you can support us by following the link in our show notes or our description. You can support us with as little as $3 a month. Every little bit of this helps so much, and we're so thankful for your support. With that in mind, here's today's reading. Mark chapter 11. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and to Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it, and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing, untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for the figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of robbers." And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they heard him, because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. And they passed by in the morning. They saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. 
And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt it in his heart, but believes that he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive, if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. And they came again to Jerusalem. And as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him. And they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you the authority to do them? Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they discussed it with one another, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? But shall we say from man? They were afraid of the people, for they all held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of God's Plan, Your Part. Don't forget, you can find us on just about every social media platform and YouTube. Let us know what you thought of today's episode, and if you have any questions, go ahead and post them there. You can also reach out to us directly at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. As always, if you don't have a Bible, or if you'd like to use the one that we use, uh, reach out to us via email, and we'll be happy to send one to you. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you again tomorrow.